Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 cast, episode 26, featuring your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter. Hey, Mike, Kyle, I got a question for you. What do you got? Solve this riddle. What's the difference between Australia and the Alliance of American Football? One's One has down dingoes? Un- no, no, no. One's down under, and the other's gone under. Oh! Oh, so one's still a real thing, and the other one's not? I mean, they're both still real things. Well, the one was a real thing. I mean, I it, mean still it still is a real thing. It's still real. Anyway, on this episode of the Ethereum Cast, we're going to be going over Women's Immense March Madness, NCAA B-Ball, yo, the aforementioned AAF, or what's left of it. Another Formula One segment, because who doesn't love motorsports? And of course, we'll be talking about some MLB, including our new weekly turtle tab. I'd just like to point out that my answer to your question was also correct. Yeah, but it wasn't uh, the one I was uh, looking for. Austra- you didn't Australia them. does have dingoes, and the Alliance of American Football does not have any dingoes. That I mean, true. technically, you could call someone in the in the Alliance of American Football a dingo. Yeah, but that doesn't mean it's true. I could call you smart, and that doesn't make it true. <laughs> and I could call you popular. That doesn't make it true. <laughs> I think we should probably start talking about basketball. This is going to escalate a little quickly. What do you think? I think that's a good idea. Probably. Yeah, so we're going to start off with women's basketball, and I'm not going to talk much about it because all there is to talk about is that Baylor won the national championship, and nobody's happy about that. And we all don't like their coach, and she shouldn't have won Big 12 Coach of the Year. She should not have won Big 12 Coach of the Year. I'm still pissed off about that. Yeah, Kyle's still pissed off about that. But She's a terrible human being. Yeah, you're right. I agree. I hope we beat him next year, even though we won't. But that's about all we're going to talk about with women's basketball. Boo, Baylor, do worse next year. So Cyclones. For men's basketball, we're going to talk about, we're going to actually talk about another Big 12 team that won a championship game so far, and that is the Texas Longhorns. So for the second uh, year in a row, a Big 12 team has won back-to-back NIT tournament championships, last year that being TCU, and this year that being the Texas Longhorns. Horns down. Horns down, by the way. But an interesting fact uh, that I saw earlier today, so the Big 12 is the only team, the only conference right now that is up for uh, the championship in all three. So the women's team was up for it, which they won. Uh, the Longhorns won the NIT championship game. And uh, as we're going to get to in a second, there's another Big 12 team in the NCAA championship game, and that is the only conference that has been able to do this. The last one was in 2003, but one of those teams had to vacate one of their their NIT championship due to uh, violations committed by the team, so the Big 12 has a chance to do something very special. Now to get on to uh, NCAA basketball, I don't know about you guys, but this might be the probably the most exciting tournament that I've seen in at least the last five or six years right now. So the Elite Eight games were elite, and the Final Four games were absolutely insane as well. Uh, so in in the Final Four matchup between Virginia and Auburn, it came down to really the last, what, 12 to 14 seconds of that game? Yeah, it came right down to the end. So Virginia blew a 10-point lead. Auburn was able to rally after being down by, I believe, 10 at one point to Virginia in the second half. 
Auburn was not shooting the ball well at all uh, to start the second half, and they came storming back uh, up by 10 points. And then a guy named Kyle Guy uh, was able to single-handedly keep the Cavaliers in the game. And what it came down to is some missed free throws by Auburn, which is obviously an Achilles heel of everybody's team and everybody's season, it seems like. And then uh, there was a missed call potentially by the refs. I don't think they anybody, missed it. Well, they did miss it, but nobody else really caught it until post game when all the commentators were talking about it. So I don't know if you all heard about it, but uh, Virginia was dribbling the ball in the backcourt. The uh, ball, ball handler drib- or went behind his back, but dribbled it off his back foot. And then he went and possessed it with both hands and then started dribbling again by rule. That is a double dribble. He was, however, fouled right after that, uh, in which case Virginia was able to get the ball back with, I believe, 1.6, 1. 1. 1.5, I think 1. it was. 1.5 seconds left on the clock. And then what happens after that is they inbound the ball. Kyle Guy launches up a three. He misses, however, Auburn's uh, Dowdy uh, commits a shooting foul as he jumps from A to B. He jumps off the ground from point A and lands point B while coming into contact with the shooter. That is a shooting foul on it was a three-point attempt. It was clear. It was obvious that it was a foul. There's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, but Kyle Guy, probably the most common collected uh, three free throws that anybody has ever taken. It, so if you are a young aspiring basketball player, watch watch that because shooting free throws in the gym for countless hours and extra time in the gym builds up to that moment. He single-handedly got his team into the national championship game with those three free throws. Auburn was not able to manage a desperation heave after that, and Virginia moves on to the national championship game. Mike, do you want to tell us who the who they will be squaring off against? Yeah, as Kyle uh, referenced earlier, they will be squaring off against the Big 12's own Texas Tech Red Raiders. Texas Tech played Michigan State in the uh, the second of the two Final Four games on Saturday. And it was a close game. It was a very low-scoring game, which with Texas Tech playing, that's kind of what you expect. They play really good defense. They're one of the best defensive teams in the nation. And, um, yeah, it was a low-scoring game, but it was a close game at halftime, two-point game, four-point game at halftime, something like that. And then uh, midway through the second half, Texas Tech started pulling away and got up to, I think it was even a 13-point lead at one point. Texas Tech had opened up. But in the last five minutes, Michigan State stormed all the way back to close the gap to even within one at one point. But then Texas Tech was just able to put uh, put the Spartans away, so they were not nearly as dramatic into that game as the uh, Virginia-Auburn game was. Still an exciting game, but not quite as uh, as exciting. But we still had a great game. It was still a great ending, and we do have Texas Tech in the national championship game to play the Virginia Cavaliers. And this could be one of the lowest NCAA tournament games in history today. Or what, a, what about that Duke-Butler game, though? Wasn't it, was it Duke against Butler a couple of years ago? Remember that low-scoring game where it was only a, about a combined 28 to 30 points at halftime? 
It was it was an absolute snoozer of a game. I just I remember that. That that game finished 61 to 59. Yeah, so they they eventually put more point or put more uh, uh shots in um but at halftime that game was an absolute snooze fest in my opinion. So, we'll see we'll see how this game uh lines up, but as Texas Tech was on their run to the national championship, they played Michigan and that game was a snooze fest in the first half as nobody could make any shots and there were tons of turnovers on both sides of the ball. So, we'll we'll see which defense prevails and furthermore which offense can actually make shots against a defense in that game. So, with that, who do you all have winning the national championship game tomorrow night? Virginia, they're the better team. I also have Virginia, and let it be known that I picked three of the four Final Four. Yes, you did. Thank you for so reminding us again. I just for the third week you know in a row. Thank you for. I'm actually us good. Couldn't at have something. reminded us that three weeks in a row because we didn't know it two weeks ago. Well, That's true. Okay, it feels like that. Come that on, was Kyle. an exaggeration. Kyle, I an I am going to go against the grain. I believe. I believe that the 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 Texas Tech Raiders are going to be the first team to win a national championship in from the Big 12 Conference not named KU. Texas Tech Red Raiders are going to bring home a championship to Lubbock, Texas, Man. and on Tuesday, the entire city of Lubbock, Texas will be no more, as they have already <laughs> rioted. Somebody needs to tell the citizens of Lubbock, Texas, specifically the students of Lubbock, Texas, and Texas Tech University, that that was, the only, that was only the Final Four game and that they have a national championship game to play for. So it'll be interesting to see what the streets look like on Monday night and Tuesday morning if they do indeed win the national championship. But Maybe there'll be a couch burning on Lincoln Way. May, <laughs> maybe. One, one solidary couch burning to uh, commemorate their season. Yep. Do you know what would really upset me is if they brought back Visha next year? So they take away Visha the year before we get to Iowa State it's University. It's not coming back. This is not related to sports. No, but he's talking about the burning couch on Lincoln Way, which is Visha, wasn't it? No, this was two years ago. What? Remember that? There were two couches burning on Lincoln Way. Yeah, the but first... there was another couch during Visha. That I mean, there might have been, but I was referring it. to the instance two years ago. That's yeah. fair. That's wasn't fair. that? That was also the same day that somebody got shot on Welch, yes. wasn't it? Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Anyway. So back to sports and back to cyclone sports. Wow, cyclone, uh, cy- cyclone. cyclone, cyclone basketball. Go Cyclones. So news broke early early this week, I believe, on Monday that Taylor Horton Tucker is declaring for the draft. Most likely, is going to hire an agent. Uh, and the rules about this now is that they can uh, they can accept stuff like travel and hotel expenses, but they cannot actually accept money from their agents and still be allowed to come back. So there still is the opportunity that he can come back, but being as he's projected in the first round and both the ESPN mock drafts as well as Bleacher Report, he's been uh, predicted around 20 or 22 for both of those. I do believe he will probably stick and stay with the NBA. And news broke later this week that our beloved Lindell Wigington is also declared for the NBA draft. He also plans on hiring an agent. So we will see what the outcome is of that. He is not projected in really any of the first two rounds on any draft boards that I saw. So it'll be very interesting to see if he actually does come back indeed or if he decides to stay in the NBA. So for right now, uh, we looking a little bit at the aftermath of what happens with 
uh, the Cyclones basketball roster right now. There are currently six open scholarships for the 2019 season. Three of those have been filled by signees, one by power forward Luke Anderson, a 6'8 power forward from Lakeland, Florida, uh, Trey Jackson, a 6'1 point guard from Blythewood, South Carolina, and Mercedes Leach, a 6'5 small forward uh, from Poplar Bluff, Missouri, have all signed with the Cyclones. Still in on, so the Cyclones are still in on Clarence, not on Lee who is a French guard who is playing in America right now at a prep school. He is a 6'3 combo guard from Center Reach, New York. Um, and they are currently uh, projected to host a Troy transfer, Javon, Javon Johnson. Javon Shields? No. <laughs> Javon Johnson, who actually plays basketball. Uh, he has been offered. However, he would be a sit one, play two candidate so he will not be an immediate help for the cyclones in the 2019 season that would be more for the 2020 season but they would still have to offer him a scholarship for the 2019 season so with that aftermath wrap up i just want to get a quick few thoughts from you guys so do Taylor horton tucker and lindell wiggington both stay in for or both commit to the nba or does one come back? Do both come back? Who gets picked first? Taylor Horton Tucker is going to get picked first over Lindell any day. And I think Lindell's going to come back, too. I don't think he's going to actually go to the NBA. Taylor Horton Tucker definitely is, in my mind. I think he can really uh, really increase who he is as a basketball player with the NBA set coaching staff over what he could get from uh, Prohm's team here in Ames. But I think, I think Lindell will take one more year here in Ames to really bump up and show the NBA who he is before he actually goes to the NBA, you know? I agree. I think he needs to be a, a starter and actually <clears throat> prove that he's able to handle the ball and not turn it over as frequently as he did this year. That was one of his major downfalls, and that's one of his major downfalls on all of his like draft analysis boards out there is he's too careless with the basketball. Yeah, I think Horton Tucker definitely gets picked first and definitely goes to the NBA. If he's going to be a first-round draft pick, you go and get your money. Like, we'd love to see him back at Iowa State next year because he'd be a great asset to this team. But even Stephen Probe has said it. If you can be a first-round draft pick, you go, you get that first-round draft pick, and you you, uh, get that money. I I was talking to Ariane about this, uh, too, during the week, about how a lot of people were upset that uh, uh, he was turning into a one-and-done. But I think that showing that the program can produce one-and-done players like Taylor Horton Tucker has just become is a big step forward for this program because it shows other other uh, high schoolers who are who could be have that talent to be a one-and-done player that Iowa State has a track record of being able to produce those one-and-done type players and that will put Iowa State on the list of some of the one-and-done players not like the super like tier one one and done players like the ones that go to Duke and Kansas and Kentucky, but um, definitely on the list of places where one and done players can go and succeed and go to the NBA. And with Lindell, uh, I I don't think he gets drafted, but I'm not sure he comes back either way. I hate to say that, but I think he's done with Iowa State just because he just didn't like being on the bench, started being on the bench this year. I think that just rubbed him the wrong way, and I feel like that's why he declared for the NBA draft, even if he uh, his draft stock wasn't necessarily that great, and I think he just uh, just rolls with it. 
instead of coming back to Iowa State. Even with the promise of still being the best player on the team and a starting role? Yeah, I think he's just done with Coach Plum at this point. What do you think he's going to do? Play in the G League or something if he doesn't go to the NBA? Either play in the G League or maybe go play in Spain for a year or something. I would love to see him back, and I wouldn't be surprised if he came back, but I don't think he's going to. But Interesting we'll see. analysis. We'll see. Interesting analysis. Next season is obviously going to be a lot different for the Cyclones, and it's going to take a lot from uh, some key players coming back. Obviously, Michael Jacobson, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, and some people need to step up. Solomon Young, George Condit. So it's, it's going to be their time. It's their team now. Uh, and they need to continue moving forward as if it's their team and they're going on without them. If we get them back, then great. Uh, we have additional things to look forward to, but for right now, that's that's where we are at. Yeah, so uh, Wyatt, you made a joke about the uh, AAF and uh, Australia earlier uh, in the episode. I Do did, you want to, I uh, did. explain that further, why you made that joke? So Tom Dundon, who initially put like a few hundred million dollars into into the AAF in its what second week of the season I think to help prop it up for the rest of the season uh, pulled out and the AAF has now collapsed and it is no longer a league and uh, this is I I don't want to say it's a huge surprise but it's certainly a huge disappointment I think for uh, the aspirations of some football players who didn't quite make it into the NFL right out of college but. Uh, some players from the AF have actually been signed into the NFL, and a lot are actually working out um, with other teams from the NFL. So that's really cool. I guess technically Orlando wins the the league, even though there is no championship game, which is strange. But they had the the biggest, uh, the biggest. They, they were on top of the standings. Is what I'm trying what, to what, say. What, yeah, Oofed what were you trying to say? I the don't biggest, know. My brain was going in opposite directions. I, I would say best record, not necessarily biggest record. They yeah. were the biggest <laughs> record. They were the biggest team. Honestly, do you know what's my favorite thing about the AF though is the logos. Did you see like all the logos and uh yeah, they stuff? Cool. I think that was so yeah, they cool. Looked cool. I really like to see it make a comeback maybe next year somehow. I mean, but you know what's but, kinda crappy is they're not paying any of their medical bills. Like the AAF is not paying any of the medical bills outstanding for any of their players. Which is really yeah, that's crappy. True. But really so crappy. for a lot of the players who are being signed, at least I know for uh, Keith Reeser, who was formerly on the Chiefs practice squad and has now been re-signed for the Chiefs. He was a cornerback for the Orlando Apollos. He was the highest-rated cornerback in the AAF this season. Uh, he, A lot of their uh, deals are being structured around getting a huge signing bonus right now so that they actually have the money to uh, be financially stable until the season starts. And then they have performance-based bonuses going throughout the year. So a lot of the players are signing for between 100000 to $200,000 bonuses that they'll receive immediately up front, which is a good thing that uh, some NFL teams are actually doing. Uh, for the likes of Keith Reeser, I already mentioned Rashad Ross, who is a wide receiver for the Hot Shots, the Arizona Hot Shots. Uh, he is now going to play for the Carolina Panthers. He had originally been a wide receiver for the um, Washington Redskins until he was cut a couple years back. And another notable player is Garrett Gilbert, the top-rated overall quarterback who played for the Orlando Apollos, has been signed by the Cleveland Browns. So the Browns are still making more moves. Um, uh, Mike's Minnesota Vikings have also signed a couple of uh, defensive backs, a cornerback, and a safety um, the Carolina Panthers made the most moves. It appears as if they have had four signees uh, from the AAF so far. So 
it's good to see what um, some of them are doing so far. And a lot of the players who are being signed are from the top-rated teams. Uh, you see the Orlando Apollos, the Arizona Hotshots were doing well, the San Antonio Commanders, and the Birmingham Iron are the majority of the players who are being signed into the NFL right now. Do 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 We interrupt this talk about the uh, AAF to bring you breaking NCAA basketball news. Texas Tech has just announced that they're canceling all classes on Tuesday oh, yeah. in anticipation so, of what's what? going on. So Seriously? Monday, so Monday night, all cl- all classes are canceled after 5 p.m. Yep. on Monday night, so that they can all go and watch the games. Uh, presumably on the streets that they have already rioted on. And then afterwards, they can just stay there and flip over cars. So, yeah. No, wow. Win, win or lose, no class on Tuesday at Texas Tech. Wow. I mean, it's a big it's a big thing for a small city. Patrick Mahomes was there. He gave a pregame speech to the team. Uh, he was fired up in the stands with Travis Kelsey standing right by his side, drunk out of his mind. Uh, <laughs> he He was drunk. <laughs> Uh, but they were both taking it in in uh, Viking Stadium, so yeah. It's called U.S. Bank okay, Stadium. U.S. Bank. I didn't think of that or, off the top of my head, so I went with Viking it, Stadium. It but refer- it's a it's a very impressive venue for this. It can be referred to as U.S. Bank Stadium, the other bank, or the Taj Maziggy. The Taj Maziggy. The Taj Maziggy. What? Why? Ziggy Wealth is the Vikings owner. Oh, okay. So a. Uh, a, uh, Off the top of my head, I just it, like when he says that stuff. I just want to have whatever they're chewing on their munchies, whatever they're smoking up hey, in Minnesota. Hey, hey, y'all that, are y'all are some sort that, of stupid. That phrase was coined by a Minnesota Broadcasting Hall of Famer, Patrick Roycey. So what was he munching on? Patrick Roycey is one of the greatest sports writers of all time. When it's gonna snow. In April in Minnesota, you gotta find something to munch on, Kyle. Yeah, well, you could get a <laughs> get like a foot and a half of snow in parts of Minnesota this week. That's not gonna be fun. Good luck, y'all. That's awful. Do you have anything else about the AF, Kyle? I think that pretty much sums I, that, up. That, that, that pretty sums much up sums the, it up. Uh, I mean, it's it's really super, sad to see it go. It's super crappy that they're not covering any medical bills, but I they, mean, that's a that's a pretty bad investment for him. Two hundred million dollars sunk in for a return investment of negative seventy. So if you so. look at it, the biggest thing that really came out of the Alliance for American Football is the gambling aspect of it. So the AAF app, I actually use this while we're watching some games. It's really cool. It shows you real time, like uh, uh, it shows you a two D map of the field in real time where all the players are on the field and stuff. But also allows you to guess on what the next play is going to be before the ball is snapped. So you can guess it's going to be a run play or pass play and whether it's going to go left, up the center, or to the right. And I guess the plan is for that to become a real-time sports betting app for uh, the NFL or other football leagues, I suppose, uh, where people place money on what's going to happen for the next play. So that seems like the biggest thing. And in my opinion, the only reason why he initially funded the AAF to begin with was just for that app. And if you think about it, if that becomes successful, the ROI on something like that's going to be enormous, well over $200 million. So I still think it's super crap that he pulled out midseason, though. That, that's just rude. Tom Dundon, if you don't like him, he also uh, owns Top Golf, so you can boycott him by not going to Top Golf. And the Carolina Hurricanes. And the Hurricanes, and a lot of other things, too. But uh, I'm sure that really hurts Kyle because he loves to Top Golf. Dude, Top Golf is awesome. But it's owned by a guy who just single-handedly destroyed players' lives. 
Yeah, I don't think anyone's well, lives really got destroyed. Their lives aren't destroyed. They just lost a job. It's nothing different than what Sprint they lost did a opportunity. couple years ago. They lost it's an no, opportunity. It's, it's nothing different than what Sprint there's, did, ago, did a couple uh, years ago to their employees. Some, it a lot happens of the, in the real world. A lot of the players, though, were underneath um, Alliance Housing. And they got booted out of housing that was funded by the Alliance of American Football. Oh. Which is super crap. I mean, there's some people who, if they lose their job and they're traveling because of their job, they might not have housing either then. But the housing isn't funded. It doesn't matter. We're going to talk about something else now. We are. We're going to talk about the vroom vroom thing, right? Very hard transition, taking a hard left down the straightaway and talk about some Formula One. But don't they also take hard rights? They do. This is not NASCAR. This left turns and right turns and banked turns and elevation changes and... Switchbacks, cool stuff. There's no switchback. Why well, aren't there any switchbacks? There might be a switchback in. Uh, well, I know uh, there's chicanes. That's for sure. Well, yeah. There what has on to earth be. is a chicane? Oh, we'll talk about. Oh, okay. We can go with chicane real quick. So you have this really straight piece of track that you can go really fast on, right? And there's a hard, hard corner at the left. I it gotcha. Doesn't matter. A chicane is an obstacle put into the straightaway, so you have to drive around it. So you can't go as fast as like full speed. It's because if you go too fast on that straightaway, maybe you can't make the turn. Or it's super dangerous for the drivers. So chicane's put in place to help slow down the vehicles in a competitive manner. I got you. Or, or you'll miss your apex. Well, yeah, that's true. You won't have a good line and your lap time will be garbage. Yeah, but these are Formula 1 drivers. They're pretty much experts at getting a good lap time. So that's not really a problem. What we're going to be talking about today with Formula 1 is going over how points are awarded, assessed, and what they mean for Formula 1 drivers. Because there's no Grand Prix this weekend, there's one next weekend in China, so I'll be giving you an update on that. Don't worry about it. But uh, for this episode, we're just gonna going over real quickly how points are scored. So there's two different championship titles at the end of the season. There's the WDC, or the World Drivers Championship, and the WCC, the World Constructors Championship. Constructors are just teams, right? There's 10 teams, two drivers per team in Formula 1, so 20 drivers in total. Drivers get points uh, to compete for the WDC title, and only drivers finishing in the top 10 of the, this current Grand Prix get points each race. Uh, first place gets 25 points, second place gets 18, third 15, then 12, 10, 8, 6, 4, 2, and 1 point for the 10th place driver. Does that make sense? It's how, The better you finish, the more points you're going to get. I mean, yeah. That's, yeah. That seems pretty It's pretty, it's pretty simple. Uh, as of this season, though, there's been a new a new method of getting points, one single point, and it's whoever sets the fastest lap time gets an extra point as long as they're in the top 10, right? So is it's that possible. the fastest lap time for the overall race, or yes. is it split up into brackets? Nope, nope, for the overall, overall race. So some guy in 15th place somehow could set a fastest lap time, but he wouldn't get the extra point because he's not in the top 10. So it is possible for a driver to finish with 26 points, which Valtteri Bottas actually did in the first Grand Prix the first race of the Grand Prix this uh, this year in Australia, question mark. He uh, got 26 points. So that's pretty cool. So that's what happens. Uh, the driver with the most amount of points at the end of the year is awarded the World Drivers Championship, even though they can you know cinch the title if it's mathematically impossible for anybody else to score more points than them. But it's officially given out by the FIA at the end of the year. So that's how that works. World Constructors... Like, so constructors also have points, and it's just the sum of the two drivers for the constructors added up. And the constructor with the most points at the end of the season gets that title. Does that make sense? 
That's literally all there is to it. Dollars, it's, it's yo. It's pretty simple. It's very, very simple. Makes sense. Seems pretty easy. Yeah, except it's not. But yeah. Well, I mean, easy to keep track of, not necessarily easy. To it is easy to keep track. If you want to know the current F1 standings, we have, let me pull them up because I didn't think about this. Valtteri Bottas is in first place with 44 points, followed by Lewis Hamilton at 43 points. They both drive for a Mercedes. And the only reason why Valtteri has one more point than Lewis Hamilton does is because of the extra point that he got for getting the fastest overall lap time in Australia. Fun speedy. fact. Very speedy. Followed, of course, by Max Verstappen racing Red Bull for 27 points. And then Charles Leclerc, or Charles Leclerc, if you're very white, uh, has 26 points in fourth place. That's F1 for you. It's pretty cool stuff. Fast cars, vroom, vroom. And I think we're going to hand it over to Mike now. Well, talking okay, about, so oh, first and foremost, oh, you're really giddy about motorsports, right? Vroom, vroom. Mike is literally jumping out of his boots right now because of this boots. because of this next next segment. So, but but I want to I want to uh, preface well, we're gonna, this. We're going to we're going to start this segment. So right now. so a preface for this. So Mike is going to use the word savior a lot in this. A savior by definition is a no, person boy. who saves someone or something, especially a country or a cause, from danger. And who is regarded with the vernation of a religious figure? So you are you are about to give some guy a religious figure perspective, right? Go go go! Do your segment. I just wanted to ruin it for you to start. Okay, you didn't ruin it. Yeah. So like Wyatt said in the beginning, we're gonna start a new segment that we're gonna call the weekly turtle tap. So. As a preface for this, we're going to talk, this segment is going to talk about Willen Zastadio, whose nickname is La Tortuga, Turtle. So this segment will be called the Weekly Turtle Tab. And since Willen Zastadio is baseball's savior, he is baseball's savior, it fits the definition of savior, he is saving the cause of baseball from the outcome where too many batters either walk or strike out. In every at-bat, he is saving baseball from that cause. Willens Astadio is baseball's savior. So we are going to keep you informed about Willens Astadio's progress for the rest of the season. Since this is our first segment, we are going to just inform all of you who are unaware of who Willens Astadio is. He's a fat, chubby man. Oh, I thought he was an actual turtle. He is not an actual oh, turtle. Man. He does kind of look like one, but he <laughs> is not an actual turtle. I mean, turtle. if he gets stuck on his back, can he get back up? Or does he need help? <laughs> he can get back up on his own. So basically, Willens Astadio is a catcher slash infielder slash outfielder with the twins. He is listed officially as five foot nine, like two hundred and forty pounds or something on the official uh, twins roster, but in reality he's probably about an inch or two shorter than that and maybe 20 pounds heavier than that. You just need to look up a picture of him to uh, fully understand who Willens Astadio is. He is, a, he is a big boy. And the thing I was talking about, he, he almost never walks and he almost never strikes out. His career strikeout rate or strikeout percentage in the minor leagues was approximately 3 to 3.5% of at-bats. For reference, the lowest strikeout percentage ever in a major league season was 6.2%. So he is one of the best players at making contact, but he also almost never walks. He puts the ball in play on pretty much every at-bat, and he uh, only uh, 
He averages slightly uh, right around three pitches per at-bat is about all he sees before he ends up putting the ball in play. And, I mean, it's super cool that just somebody wants to put the ball in play and keep the game moving. I really appreciate that. But he's also being super successful doing it. So far this season, he is batting 500, slugging 952. He's got three doubles. He's got one home run. He's got four RBIs. He has yet to strike out this season. He's walked only one time. And he's made some... uh, Interesting plays in the uh, in the field as well. During a game this weekend, he was playing catcher, and uh, Bryce Harper tried to hurdle him um, to score, and uh, he tagged Bryce Harper out. It was pretty funny to watch. Things just happen when Willen Zastadio is in the game, and it is fun to watch. So he's he's played in uh, four different positions in five games this year. He's played catcher. He's played first base. He's played third base. He's played left field. He can play anywhere. He's just an amazing player to watch. You have to look up videos of Willens Astadio running. He just wants you to know that chubby people can run too. Willens Astadio, baseball savior. We will keep you informed on his progress the remainder of the season with the turtle tab for the remainder of the season. Go Willens Astadio. He's my favorite. You, 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 you happy now, Kyle, that I'm done with the segment? Yeah, it's about time. I was getting tired, so I had to uh, resort to looking up some more relevant and actually interesting stuff on my phone. Like how the Royals uh, suck? So the Royals' bullpen is garbage, yes. That is nothing to uh, flaunt um, right now in the major leagues. They have the highest ERA right now as a bullpen, and they have the most blown games as a bullpen. At least none of their pitchers have an ERA of infinity. Yeah, I th- don't the Trevor Rosenthal. Trevor Rose- has an Rosenthal ERA has infinity. not gotten out. He is he set a record today, but he's he doesn't play for the Royals. I don't think the Royals should go out and sign him because I don't think he'd be any any help. Uh, but right now, uh, the Royals haven't won all week. Um, so since I was drinking the powder blue Kool Aid uh, so far, that has backfired on me. The Royals have led in the seventh inning in six of eight games so far this year, which means that our pitchers are giving us quality starts between Brad Keller, Jacob Junis, uh, Jorge Lopez, all turning in quality starts except for one outing, I believe, this week. And yeah, that just goes to show you that the bullpen is absolute trash. Uh, So things aren't going anywhere fast. So a lot of Royals fans out there are... um, uh, basically just calling out to Dayton Moore saying, why not just get the entire farm system up, see if they can do anything better, because right now what's up there isn't working. The hitting isn't awful. Whit Merrifield has a 28-game hitting streak dating back to last year, second longest in Royals history, and I think of among active players, it is currently the second longest behind his, high school, or his college teammate, uh, Jackie Brantley. Um, and... The hitting, the hitting is not bad. Jorge Soler is hitting. We are hitting home runs, which is something we didn't do last year. Starting pitching has been adequate and sufficient at times, and in some cases, very, very good from Brad Keller so far. I've been very impressed with him. But the bullpen is terrible. I can't watch any game from the seventh inning on because I know it's going to be absolute trash, and it's going to stress me out thinking about this new stupid pitching rule coming up next year from the MLB. and. Yeah, so that's your Royals weekly update. 
They're it's garbage. Gonna... It's a dumpster fire in the bullpen. We literally have a dumpster out in the bullpen, and it's on fire. And we just bring it with us. Yeah, the Royals didn't win this week. I already mentioned that. You can shut up now. Okay. On to the Cubs' woes. They, they did win this week. They, they won a game. But only We're back, one game. baby. Well, We're back. How, how We're Chili's back, how many baby, wins, back, baby, back. How many wins do they have, though, now? Shut up. Two. So they are matched with the Royals. Okay, I just had to put that out there. Yeah, the uh, pitching and defense have been awful for the Cubs. They uh, what what day was it? Was it Tuesday that they committed five errors in the same game? It was six. No, it was six errors. It was ma- Sunday. Wasn't no, it? it was last Sunday. It was yeah, Monday. it was. It was the second game against the Braves. No, it was oh Monday, no, it was Wednesday. It was, no, it was Mon- It was either Monday or Wednesday. Yeah, I think it was Wednesday. I think it was the I, second game, wasn't I think it? It was, it was Wednesday. Actually. I think. I think it was too. Doesn't matter. Anyway, there was five matter. errors in that game, and it was, it was ridiculous. It? I think it was six. I think, oh, was it six? I think it was six because I, I got five an update saying Cubs, uh, Cubs yeah, yeah. commit six errors in one game. That's not good. No, but it happened. Mm-hmm. And we're back. Yeah, well, I don't know if you're back, back because, you know, a game in April matters just as much as a game in September. So going, uh, going what are they, two and seven? Two and seven to uh, start the year is just as bad as going two for two for seven in your last nine games. And especially with how hot the Brewers have been, they've only lost two games this year. The Cubs are really hurting their playoff chances to win that division. Currently, the only reason they're not in last place in that division is because the Reds have only won one game. They're really, really bad. They got involved in a bench-cleaning brawl today with Pittsburgh. That was pretty interesting. Yasiel Puig got himself tossed because he was hot. Did you see what he did? Weren't there like three or five players? five players yeah. tossed. Yeah. Five players got ejected. So Puig was like in the middle of it. Somebody pushed him out, and, you know, the brawl's over here, and Puig's over here getting held back. And then he runs and jumps back into it. That's, I, that's I Yasiel just, Puig I know, for you. I, I know. The guy who licks his bat and gets into all kinds of licker. chaos on the field. Yeah. The Reds are also bad, but the Brewers have been fantastic. Um, and the rest of that division hasn't been great. The Pirates are the only other team above 500 in that division. And they're not supposed to be good. At 5 and 3. Uh, the Cardinals have really struggled, with the exception of Paul Goldschmidt, who hit three homers in one game earlier this year. He's been good. Other than that, the Cardinals have been struggling, so they are not off to a great start. The NL Central outside of the Brewers is just a little rough right now. We'll have to keep an eye on the Cardinals and the Cubs to see if they will be able to recover and hopefully do something in this division. Otherwise, Milwaukee's going to run away from it, sort of like Cleveland ran away with the AL Central last year. So we'll, uh, the NL Central will definitely be something to keep an eye on going forward to see if the teams who are currently bad can be good, specifically the Cubs, because big people are expecting big things. And if the Cubs continue to struggle, Joe Madden might be looking for a job here by uh, July. We'll have to see. Eek. Yeah, generally getting fired isn't good. But the Twins did have a, uh, the twins did have a uh, pretty good week. So uh, they uh, beat the Royals in two games, two comeback wins because the Royals' bullpen is bad. And they did lose two out of three to Philly, but uh, they played some competitive games, and Philly's a good team. So the Twins are still 5-3 and three on the year, still above 500, still doing good. They get a real test this upcoming week when they have to go face, uh, face uh, DeGrom and Syndergaard in back-to-back games against the Mets. That's not going to be fun. So we'll have to see what the offense can do against those two uh, great pitchers. But something we want to talk about, since we're still early in the season and it's easy to uh, recover from a uh, good from a bad start or fall off after a good start, 
Kyle, what is the one team who started off poor that you expect to come back and the one team who started off really well who you expect to fall off? I've just been eyeing the the Boston Red Sox. They have had a tragic start to their season seemingly so far. There's they started out 3 and 8. I think it took them a while to even win their first game and I I do think I think that team is way too good to be to be in fourth place in that division in the AL East. I think they will eventually come back. Right now the Rays are winning, but I see them sliding a little bit. Uh, so I think they'll be good by the end of the season. But the team that has started out hot right now, who I don't think will be able to sustain that success, is the New York Mets. The New York Mets have started out 6-3. and three, And yes, while they actually have really good pitching from uh, Jacob deGrom and Noah Syndergaard, just one quick... Uh, point to note for Jacob deGrom. So far, he has struck out 24 of 48 batters faced with a 0.00 ERA during his first two wins this season. That is absolutely impressive that he's striking out half the batters that he has faced so far this season. 24 strikeouts in two games is is crazy. That's what Max Scherzer was doing recently. But is, so is I, I think he's the next pitcher the next young pitcher for a while as Chris Sale has been and Max Scherzer has been, but I don't think the rest of the Mets team is going to be able to keep up. Okay. So with my team who's doing poorly, who's going to recover, I'm going to go uh, out west to the Houston Astros who are at 500 right now. They're going to find a way to uh, sort out whatever issues they've been having and they will still win that west division. Their rotation's too good. Yeah, and their lineup is too good. And staying in that division, the team that's been really good that's going to fall off is the Seattle Mariners sitting at 9-2 and two right now. There's no way the Mariners can sustain that. They just don't have enough pieces. They traded away so many people in the offseason in uh, James Paxton and Diaz. They're just not going to be able to sustain this. The Seattle Mariners are eventually going to fall off, and Houston will win that division still. There's a bunch of pitchers out there who have been pitching really well so far that I hadn't heard of until this season. So I do agree with somewhat with that one. I just went with the Mets for my pick. Wyatt, do you have anything to add to this one? No, I was also going to say the Mariners are going to totally choke, and probably pretty soon here. Um, as for the team that's doing poorly now that will do better in the future... I really don't know. I I mean I can't right because if I do, you're gonna be like, oh my god, listen to this guy. But I don't I mean, know. Theoretically, they should be better. Exactly. Than they are. I want if I had to pick, I would say them, but I don't want to. I don't want to actually pick. I I think the Cubs are back, especially after uh, getting off that losing streak and actually winning one against the Brewers. Your really. starting rotation though needs to figure it out. You Darvish has you Darvish been seven terrible problems. since he's gone to Chicago. John Lester has been iffy. And it's, Jose I don't Quintana, know. since coming over from the White Sox, he's had like three or four quality starts. He kicked ass a bit last year. Yeah, a little bit. That's but about so far this year, no. I don't know. I, I think the Cubs are back, though. Chili's back, baby, back, baby, back. Okay. We'll see. A lot of baseball left to be played. And a lot of baseball still to come on this episode. For sure. But... See, I like to make the uh, baseball-football analogy and how there are so many more games in baseball than there are in football. So here through a week and a half of the baseball season, teams have played, you know, eight games, something like that, eight to ten games. 
So since there are 162 games in a baseball season, that means playing um, playing 10 games is the 10 baseball games is approximately the equivalent of playing one football game. So we're like through week one of the football season at this point, if we were to draw that analogy to the baseball season. So there's a lot of baseball after we played a lot of time. Don't jump to any conclusions yet for another couple weeks. We'll have to see how the season plays out. Now it's time for what is now my second favorite segment because our, uh, our weekly uh, turtle tab has replaced the rules segment as my favorite segment. But I'm so excited about the rules segment. We're going to talk about a rule in college basketball this week because it came up at the end of that Virginia-Auburn game. And that is the rule of kicking the basketball. I had a couple people ask me why when the Virginia player dribbled off his foot there at the end of, near the end of regulation, why that wasn't called a kick and the play was stopped. So I'm just going to, uh, so kicking the basketball for that to be called, essentially what it has to be is it first of all, it has to be a defensive player has to be the one to do it. And it has to be with, has to hit that person's foot while the foot is not in a standard basketball position. So like if they're just standing there and the ball goes off their foot, that won't be called a kick. But if they like move their leg out, move their foot out, something like that, that will be called a kick. So that would, so the reason, so the two reasons why that play wasn't called a kick against Virginia is one, it was the offensive team who kicked the ball, and two, his foot was in a regular basketball position when he hit that ball. So that were the two reasons why it was not called a kick. Normally on a kick, the uh, offensive team regains the ball and the shot clock resets to 20 seconds if uh, it is below that on a kick. So that is what happens, and that is why the play in the Virginia game was not a kick. I think that's the end of my rules segment. It was a pretty a simple one. Yeah, what's the I have a question. So if the ball goes off Tyrese Halliburton's hand, and then it's ruled a kick, is it actually a kick? Oh, no, God, I don't want to relive this. For it to be a kick, it actually has to hit the foot and not the hand. Can you tell me why that was ruled a kick? He literally jumped because over the, the ball. Because are not good. <laughs> Both referee, the referee behind Tyrese Halliburton saw his leg go out. That's the one who called it. Yep. And then the one at half court also saw his leg go out. So they, and then they came together and then they were like, yeah, it was a kickball. Yeah. Frustrating. His feet, his feet were he, on the ground before the ball well, made its and the trajectory. The ball went between his legs know, while his legs I, were, he was doing a cheerleading stunt. It was out off there. his hand. It was, I don't know. I'm still frustrated by that. But you're right. That is the end of the rules segment. Mike, do you want to, Hit us up. Let me know what our accountability session is for our write-that-downs. Yeah, for sure. So, we uh, have, what is that, seven predictions that came off the board for write-that-down predictions? That, is that how does you count indeed seven. look like seven. The first one was a prediction from Kyle. He predicted that the Wild would not make the playoffs. That, unfortunately, did indeed happen. So, Kyle gets a ding, 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 ding. <laughs> um, I also made a hockey prediction that the Wild would finish in the top two in their division. Since they didn't make the playoffs, that obviously didn't happen. So for that, I get a nah. Um, After Minnesota lost to Nebraska, I was on the record of saying that Minnesota would fire Patino at the end of the year. They gave him a two-year contract extension today. Oof. So that generally means they're not going to fire him. I mean, it's possible, but we're just going to take that one off the board because you don't extend someone's contract and then fire him. So we're going to give me a nah, nah. for that. Wyatt told us this to should write, just be nullified. Nope, honestly, nope. Wyatt nope. told us to write that down that the Iron would win the AAF championship. Game never happened. Right, but it can't happen. Orlando can't happen. was two games clear of everybody, so they are the champions. The Iron are not. So for that, Wyatt gets a 
Nah. Nah. Kyle predicted two weeks ago. Or maybe, yeah, two weeks ago. Yeah, it was two that weeks Texas ago. Tech would make it to the national championship game, which he did get. So for Kyle, Kyle could say, ding, 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 ding. ding. Uh, for this next prediction for Wyatt, we're going to give him a counting right. this as doubly wrong. We'll count this as <laughs> two misses. He predicted that the uh. Cubs would sweep the Braves over the uh, the over uh, last week, and instead the Braves swept the Cubs. By a lot. So we're going to give Kai or give Wyatt yeah. double along for this. So, nah, nah, nah. Nah. And the last one to come off the board was Kyle last week. This could still be doubly wrong. Yeah, that the Royals would win every series this month. Uh, they didn't win a game this week, so that means that he, <laughs> they definitely didn't win any series. Um, so, yeah, still get a single nah, nah for that. But if they continue to lose every series the rest of the month, we're going to give them a second nah for it. Uh, in the first episode in May. So we'll keep you informed on that. At least they've won a series so far this year. Last year, it took them until May to win a series. So at least the Cubs won a game this week. Oh, throwing shade when I can't really throw shade. The Royals had won more games before you last week. (laughs) Oh, no. I've just realized that we've made it to the prediction segment, and I don't have a prediction yet. I'll go first. Mike, go. or I'll I'll go first. Mine's pretty simple. I have that UVA is going to win the championship game by seven or more points. Seven or more points? Seven or more. Three possessions. Um, Let me think about that one for a second. (laughs) What just happened there, Kyle? just completely messed up our outline. No, uh, I didn't. That's not mine there. I am typing. uh Uh-huh. Anyway, what, what uh, what do you think, Mike? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm getting there. I gotta see. The line is Virginia by one, but ESPN gives Virginia a seventy percent chance to win that game. And the way they've been playing, I'm gonna say, it's... what do you think? Double, triple? What do you think for that one, Kyle? They've been playing really, really close games. Double. You know, only right. a double. Ah, all right, That's I'll fine. take it. I'm not gonna argue. But my prediction is that less than one hundred total points will be scored in this national championship game. Triple. Less than hundred total. Triple. Triple. All right, Kyle, you're out of time. What's your prediction? Uh, there will be 25 or more turnovers <laughs> in the national championship game. Double. Okay, that's fine. Double. We'll give him a double. Yeah, that was fast, man. We're getting good at this. I mean, these are pretty straightforward. We didn't have to argue yeah, about them. that's fair. Is that it? Do we have anything from Josh? Yeah, no, Josh is MIA at the moment, and he didn't give us uh, any predictions, so we have no predictions Not from Josh here. this week. Last call. It's closing. Gone. Time. <laughs> going, going, gone. That's probably, Bye, Josh. That's probably copyright. You might not want it. Right, it was less than four seconds or whatever. Yeah, you're right. It you're doesn't good. really matter because now that we've reached the end of the Write That Down Prediction segment, this is also the end of the episode. Episode 26 of the 8311 cast. want to thank you for listening to this episode and make sure you tune in next Monday to catch episode 27 of the 8311 cast where we bring all things sports to your beautiful ears. Signing off for the 8311 cast, we have your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.